Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to Wisdom Wednesday. Today we're looking at biblical wisdom on wealth and material blessing. And we've been looking thematically at the book of Proverbs. What an absolute joy it is to study the book of Proverbs. I do encourage you. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. You could read through the book of Proverbs once a month. And you could do that um, every month. You could just carry on reading a few chapters like this month. We have a leap year with this being uh, February still. And there's a 29 days. But you could just keep on reading the book of Proverbs and you could do it once a month. And what wonderful wisdom there is in the book of Proverbs. And today we're going to be delving into the rich tapestry again of this marvelous book in regard to, in particular, the topic of wealth as well as material blessings. And Proverbs is an absolute treasure trove of insights. And today we're going to focus in particular on verse 9 to 10 of Proverbs 3, as well as chapter 11, verse 28. And that will guide us into some of the complexities regarding wealth through the lens of biblical wisdom. So let's explore something of the foundational principles that Proverbs imparts regarding wealth. In Proverbs 3, verse 9 to 10, God's word says, Honor Yahweh from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will burst with new wine. This instructs us to honor the Lord with our wealth and with the first fruit of our crops. This principle echoes throughout the Bible and finds resonance also inside of the New Testament. In Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21, during the Sermon on the Mount, this is what our Lord Jesus says. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What a wonderful section from our Lord Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. Where is your treasure? Because where your treasure is, there your heart is too. Are you storing up a treasure in heaven, or are you storing up a treasure on earth? Jesus says there, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. And how tempting this is inside of our Western world in particular, how easily materialism has crept in. And so often we are those that are narcissistic, hedonistic, materialistic. We have this idea of, well, puff me up and then, you know, continue to please me and continue to pay me. And we're never quite satisfied with what we have. But our Lord Jesus emphasizes storing up treasures in heaven rather than on earth. And as we dissect these passages, we gain this comprehensive understanding of the biblical perspective on wealth and its spiritual implications. In Proverbs 11.28, it says, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. Now, you just think about that imagery, this idea of a, let's say, a brown, shriveled-up leaf on a tree that falls to the ground. But the righteous person is like a green leaf, stays on the tree, does not fall. <coughs> now, th we see also the warning, then, of trusting in our riches. 
If we put our trust there and we think it's our pension plan or our medical scheme or our money in the bank that we can have security, this is the way that the fool thinks. Remember that parable that that our Lord Jesus told us regarding the man who had such a good bumper crop and he decides, he says to his soul, soul, you've done well, build bigger barns, break down the old barns, store the food in, and then we can just relax. We can just enjoy the rest of our life. We can collect seashells at the seashore and just enjoy. And he says, you fool, you don't know that God has said he requires your soul from you this night. We don't hold this life in our hands. And even if you think about what our Lord Jesus has just said to us there in Matthew 6, where he says, don't store up this treasure on earth. Moth comes in, rust destroys, and thieves break in and steal. I mean, you can just think about almost any form of monetary wealth is very unsecure in this world. You think in the South African context, is your pension really secure? Look at the way that the government is often pilfering pension plans. Look at the way that they have just recently taken out from some of the gold reserves. Uh, And we've read articles about these things. Look at the ways in which uh, so often corruption comes in and erodes. You, You can't even trust any human being. Even if you have property, so often we find that in South Africa now at the moment, about 30% of those that are rentees are not paying their rent. So you might even have property, but it might start to devaluate if it's in a bad area or if if you bought it and you think it's it's a good investment, but then things start to break. I mean, things such as termites or ants or whatever it may be can cause your wealth to just falter. So you cannot take your wealth with you, but you can, according to the scriptures, send your wealth ahead of you. And that is by investing what the Lord has given you towards his kingdom and his righteousness, getting behind the great commission with all that is in you and recognizing that everything that you have belongs to him. We also cannot trust in riches at all, because those that trust in riches will fall. So this cautionary wisdom is also then mirrored throughout the New Testament as well. Not just what we see in the book of Proverbs, but 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 to 19 says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. There's a wonderful balance for us. Now, this is obviously commanded towards those that are rich within the church. Timothy, the pastor of the church at Ephesus, was to look at those that were rich in his congregation and not hold back the command that is given by God to them. Those that are rich in this present age are not to be haughty. They're not to see themselves as higher than other men because of the fact that they have got some wealth. And just think about this in our world. When people drive a certain car or when they have certain amounts of money in the bank or when they have a certain job, how easily they can think that they are somehow higher than others, even higher than the pastor in the church who possibly earns so much less than what they do. But they put their hope sometimes in the uncertainty of riches. One moment you can have that, but tomorrow the stock markets can crash. I mean, think about 2008 and how much money people lost even in that time and how oftentimes there's these bubbles that burst. But where are they to put their trust? Where are they to put their hope? They're encouraged that must be on God. And then there's this wonderful balance in verse 17, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. 
It does not mean that you cannot enjoy what God has given you. He, God, is the one who has supplied you with what you have to enjoy. He richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. It is not wrong to enjoy that which the Lord has given, but you better not put your hope on the uncertainty of riches. And then he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Here's the command. Do good with what God has given you. Yes, God gave you what you have so you can enjoy it, but do good with it. Make sure that you don't do evil with it. Be rich in good works. That's the kind of bank balance we should be striving to look at. How rich is my good works in regard to this? Now, of course, there's a way that we do good works. It's not to go before us. The right hand can do what um, that which the left hand doesn't know it is doing. There's not this blowing of a trumpet as we do good works. But you are to be rich in good works, in particular if you are rich in this present age. And then you're to be generous and ready to share. I think sometimes people are not ready to share. They just want to gain and they don't want to give. But ready to share. The moment that the Lord opens up an opportunity where you can share, are you sharing? And then it says, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they they may take hold of that which is life indeed. You see, wealth in this world bank balances in this world, interest rates in this world. All of this stuff is not life indeed. This is the shadowlands. You should use that which God has given you as a good steward to actually store up for yourself treasures that are a good foundation in the future. Send your wealth ahead of you by being good with what God has given you, by being rich in good works, by being generous and ready to share. When the Apostle Paul advises the wealthy man to be to not be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, he, he advises, put your hope in God. And if we further even think about this in Luke chapter 12, <coughs> verse 13 to 21, this passage comes to mind regarding the parable of the rich fool. And someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man... Who appoints me a judge or an arbiter between um, over you? Then he said to him, Watch out and be on your guard against any form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. What is Jesus warning even this man that comes to him? He says, Be careful of the, the bigger issue. Isn't the fact that your brother has not shared the inheritance with you. The bigger issue is the greed that is in your heart. And you've got to watch out for that greed. The desire to have. The desire to want more. But your life doesn't consist of the abundance of what you have and what the possessions that you have. And then he told them a parable saying the following. So this man's query becomes the segue for our Lord Jesus and this parable. He says, the land of a rich man was very productive. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier on in the introduction part of this talk was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do? since I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared?' 
so is the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Everybody that stores up treasure for themselves and is not rich towards God is just like that foolish man. And God says of a person like that, you are a fool, because they've acted in such a way that they have ignored the one who is actually the giver of the good things that he has. This farmer, I mean, his crop had yielded such good yield. Why? Because God gave the rain. God gave the growth. God was the one who gave him the mind that he had to do the things that he did. He gave him the land that he had. All good things came from God, and he ought to have been rich towards God. Instead of, um, in a sense, pleading poverty before God, but richness before man. And so there's these timeless truths connected with the parables that we see our Lord Jesus teaching and the book of Proverbs. If you think about even the widow's offering in Mark chapter 12, verse 41 to 42, remember what happened there? And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the crowd was putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two lepta. That's just like, you know, two cents, let's say, 20 cents, which amounted to a quadrants. And calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all those putting money into the treasury, for they all put out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. As Jesus even observes this, the widow's small gift, given with a sincere heart, contrasted with the ostentious contributions of the wealthy, and that, that aligns with the Proverbs' emphasis on the heart condition in matters of wealth. So how's your heart today in regard to matters of wealth? May the Lord work through his word in convincing us and turning us towards him. Amen.